Good to have everybody here this morning. Uh, I want to start off by welcoming everybody for sure. And on behalf of, of every person uh, that had a part in building this building and getting it all put together, I'd like to say, whew, we're done. Right? It's been a long, hard thing. I tell you what, it's been a humongous blessing. Amen. It's been a joy. It's not been an overly, there's been stressful moments, but it's been good overall. And I had somebody ask me today, said, uh, so are you nervous or excited? And I said, I'm, I'm somewhere between wanting to do cartwheels and throwing up. Somewhere in through there. I'm much, a little bit of nervous, a little bit of excitement, you know, all together. So it's been a great experience. Uh, and like Jeff said, this is our 12th year anniversary, which I cannot believe. 12 years ago, when God first laid this, this whole church on my heart, that building over there laid uh, dormant for a while. And when he first laid it on my, on my heart, it just seemed like such an impossibility. Uh, and then it just happened. I mean, God just made it happen. And then as the church began to grow over there and we see the need to uh, be able to expand, uh, we didn't really have the land. We didn't have this little lot over here and that lot over there. And it seemed impossible that we could get it. Uh, and then God provided it. And so here we are 12 years later. 12 years ago today, I stood over there and said, welcome to Crossway Fellowship Church for the first time in that building. And uh, so 12 years later, I'd like to stand here and say, welcome to Crossway Fellowship Church today. Uh, and so our goal is to, if you don't have a church home, uh, you do now. Amen? Um, I want to take care of one quick important business before I start my sermon this morning. There we go. <laughs> Open your Bibles and turn it to the book of Psalm, chapter 127, please. I figured the egg in my face will come tomorrow morning. <laughs> Psalm number 127, verse number 1. I'm going to read this, read this verse and then we will, uh, I better move that. Somebody, gonna, that's gonna, somebody won't hear a word I say, I, I guarantee you Patriot fans out there. We're going to pray, we will have altar call later, by the way. Uh, which, <laughs> which reminds me, I got a uh, uh, text last night from, from Steve Russell and it said something like this. The pastor uh, asked us all to be as excited about church as we are football until I showed up shirtless with the church logo on my chest. So I was a little worried about what he'd pull off this morning. I told him, told him at least wait till after altar call, do anything like that. So. All right, 127 verse 1 just simply says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Let me read it again. It's short. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it Labor in vain. Can you bow and pray with me this morning? Father, we just turn our attention completely to you today. We thank you, Lord, not only for this facility and your safety upon it and your ability to make it happen, but we thank you for the people that are here. We thank you for the worship this morning, that your presence uh, has been faithful to come and touch our hearts already. And now, Lord, as we turn to your word, I just pray for a special anointing of the Holy Spirit that you can speak your words through me in a way that will lodge in every heart and bring forth fruit. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. Did I mention I'm pretty excited to be up here and preach this? I've been looking forward to this. I uh, got this pulpit. I've been walking the stage a lot over the last couple months, obviously, and uh, standing here and just imagining what it's going to look like, and it's everything I hoped it would be and more. So. You need to recognize the ones up in top. Yeah, balcony. Shout hello. Look at there. we got a balcony. That's, that's awesome. All right. So, in this scripture, just simply saying this, that all of... Our efforts as human beings, we can come up with some good ideas, we can build, we can do this and we can do that, but unless God is behind it, everything we do is pretty worthless. Amen? I think we can apply that to every aspect of life, obviously, and we can apply it to this building. If it hadn't been God's will uh, for this building to be done, then we would have wasted 
uh, the past year of our life. But it was obviously God's will to get it done. How many of you remember uh, a movie a long time ago? Kevin Costner did a movie called Field of Dreams. And uh, Kevin Costner built a baseball diamond out in the middle of a big cornfield. And uh, everybody thought he was crazy, but he kept doing it because, uh, he, even, he even thought he was crazy at times, but he kept doing it because there was this calling that kept prompting him. And does everybody remember what that calling was? Yes. Build it and, and they will come. And so it was kind of an ongoing joke just a little bit as we were building this building. We'd say, well, I hope we, you know, hope we can bring some people in that, that don't go to church and, and uh, lead some people to Jesus. And every time we'd say that, somebody would inevitably say, build it and, and they will come. Uh, but I got to thinking about that just a little bit. And the, and the fact of the matter is, unless God builds the building, we've built it in vain. So if we built this building so they will come, then we've wasted our time. But if we built this building so that he will come, then he will draw them in. Amen. So the title of my message this morning is Build It and He Will Come. This is all about Jesus. It's all about his glory. Not about people, not about us so much. See, Jesus said this. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. And he was speaking about his crucifixion. He was speaking about the heart of the gospel. Mankind's lost in sin. We can't pay for our own sins. So Jesus said, if I'm lifted up from the earth, meaning lifted up on the cross, I, through the gospel, through my love, through forgiveness, through my blood, I will draw all men unto me. So all of our efforts as human beings are pretty fruitless unless the Spirit of God draws an individual. Amen? And so that's, that's ultimately our goal. And so we, did, we all want you to make... Uh, I want to make certain this morning we didn't invite you here to see our building. Amen. We, we invited you to here to see our Jesus in this building. And he's the, he's the uh, main attraction. Amen. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, I'm going to hit a couple verses quick. So if you can turn there fast enough, go for it. Otherwise, you may want to look it on the screen. Reading from the ESV, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 and 7. Paul is speaking to a church, somewhat of a new church, a baby church, a uh, church uh, of the Corinthians. And he says to them this. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Makes sense. Paul says to the church, look, we're not here to proclaim ourselves. Paul wasn't in it to uh, make a big name for himself and have a TV ministry or anything like that. He said, we're presenting ourselves here as just a servant for people, a servant to God, that we might lift up and proclaim the name of Jesus. And he goes on to say, who said, let light shine out of darkness. He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In the face of Jesus Christ. Now look at this. I love this verse. But we have this treasure in, in jars of clay. The King James says earthen vessels. In other words, vessels uh, that are made out of the earth, out of clay. So what is this treasure that he's talking about? He just said it. It's the glory of God. The knowledge of the glory of God that is provided through Jesus Christ. So the gospel itself, the fact that God loves mankind... He placed that message, he placed his spirit in vessels that were made with clay. If you make a, a vessel out of clay, a pot, for say, it's going to be weak, it's going to be easily broken, it's going to be cracked, but you can still put a treasure in it. And you and I, we're made from the dust of the earth, and we're all cracked. I mean, let's face it, we're all pretty messed up. Okay? But God said, I'm going to take these human beings made from the dust of the earth, and even though despite themselves and despite their failures and their, their mistakes, I'm going to place my spirit in them. I'm going to place uh, my gospel in them. I'm going to put my light in them so that they can then take that gospel and take that light to the world around them. It's a phenomenal thing. If you and I have a great treasure that we don't want anybody to steal or we don't want it to get lost, we're going to put it in a safe. Something big and bulky and fancy, but Jesus said, no, I put my treasure in broken vessels. That's all of us. We can look at this building. 
And in a sense, it's kind of an earthen vessel, right? Every single, every single square inch of this building was made from the elements of the earth. Okay? Metal, wood, stone. This entire building is an earthen vessel made from the elements of the earth. But according to the Word of God, that when Jesus returns, all the elements will burn with fervent heat. What does that mean? It means that this building, as pretty as it is and as much work as we put into it, when Jesus comes, it, it, a little, it will literally lay in a pile of ash, right? So you can see why we don't want, Jesus doesn't want us to get too awful hung up on the building so much as the spirit that is in the building, amen? All going to lay in waste someday. Uh, and you know what? None of us are going to care. I mean, now, I'll be honest with you. If this place burned to the ground today, I would cry, right? <laughs> I'd be like, no! But if G, when Jesus comes, this place, this building is going to be the last thing on my mind. Amen. I'm going to see Jesus face to face, face to face. I'll be in his presence, and that's all that's going to matter. Amen. If we look at like uh, Solomon's temple when he built it. I mean, it was, it was very well thought out. David, his father, had prepared for the materials for many, many years. And when Solomon built his temple, it was beautiful. I mean, it was, it was, things were lined with gold and silver and bronze and there was, you know, purple curtains. I mean, it was just extravagantly beautiful when he built it. But it was, a, it was worthless until the presence of God came and filled it. Amen? Until, because we read that when they got done with the building and Solomon gathers all the people together to dedicate the building unto God, the Bible says that literally a cloud came and filled the temple. I mean, a visible, and it was, it was God coming and abiding inside his temple. Meaning before it was just a building of bricks and blah, 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 and stones and elements, but now it's a temple because God is there. That's what ultimately defines what a temple is when God is there. And his glory filled that temple so much that even the preachers couldn't stand to go inside. Amen? Worthless building till God comes in. Now it's a valuable treasure. Now it's a temple. And uh, with God's Spirit taking up residence there, it became a place of worship. Once God's presence departed, it was a worthless building again. You read through the history of that, God didn't stay there in that temple all the time. You know why God departed that temple? Because His people became more obsessed with the building than they did the God that was in the building. Plain and simple. Oh, the temple. Oh, the temple. Everywhere they went. If they went, let's say, let's say that the people in the Middle East traveled to Dora. Okay? They're going to figure out where the temple is on the globe, turn their face toward the temple, and pray towards the temple. The temple became so, the building became such a spiritual monument of holiness and, and uh, you know, sanctity and everything. And it all became about the building. God said, You're, you guys are missing the point. And it happened like that historically, by the way. Solomon's temple was destroyed. Zerubbabel built one in its place. It was destroyed. Then Herod built one in its place. It was destroyed. And do you know that the Jews today, still, all they can think about is... Building that new temple. Rebuilding the temple. They fail to realize that they walk around in a potential temple every single day. Amen? The building, nah. It's nothing. It's worthless unless God's presence fills it. I mean, when we look at uh, Hezekiah. If you read it, now, you, you can look this up. It's in Second Chronicles, Second Kings, and Isaiah. And I didn't write down the chapter, so you'll have to read all of those to figure out where the story's at. But all three of those books talk about a, a specific man. His name was Hezekiah. He was the king of Judah. And uh, when 
Hezekiah became king. His dad Ahaz had been king before that, and he was a wicked man and just led the whole nation to idolatry. It was horrible. But when Hezekiah took the reins, he decides, I'm going to turn this country around again. I'm going to turn them back to God. And so he restores, he cleanses the temple, gets all the idols out. He gets the preachers, the priests all gathered back up, restores the priesthood, and then reinstates worship in the land of Israel. And everything was going great. And God honored Hezekiah for that. He had a heart for God. He recognized it's not the building. It's, it's all about God. And so he put God out in front, and it drew all people unto God, right? And so God honors Hezekiah by doing some really amazing things. How many of you still believe that God still does really amazing things? For Hezekiah... He uh, delivered him from, for one thing, he delivered him from an army, uh, the Assyrians, that was threatening to invade Judah, and eventually did. Um, it was an army that was bigger than the armies of Israel. Sennacherib was threatening them and making all of these boasts and stuff. And Hezekiah goes to God. He knows that he's outnumbered. He knows that his armies could never defeat the armies of the Assyrians. He goes to God, lays it all out before God, and says, God, I admit it. We're wimps. We can't do nothing against these people. I need you to intervene. And when you read this, it's an amazing story. I mean, God shows up and miraculously delivers Israel out of the hands of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. Literally, by a miracle. They, an angel of the Lord went through and all of the Assyrian, the, the angel just went through and, and, and killed them all in the middle of the night. God miraculously came through. Why? Because Hezekiah was more concerned about the God than he was about the building. Amen. And then we read where Hezekiah became sick and very sick. And so God sends Isaiah the prophet to him and says, Isaiah goes to Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah, I'm sorry, I've got a, I've got a word for you this morning from God. Um, you're going to die. Okay. That's, that's the message you want to get from your preacher. Right. You're, this sickness is unto death. You're, you're not going to make it through. And so Hezekiah turns his face to the wall. He begins to cry and he begins to weep and call out to God, asking God for more time on earth. And immediately... God sends Isaiah back in the room and says, I heard your cry, heard your prayer, saw your tears. I'm going to heal you and I'm going to add 15 years to your life. Amazing? Pretty amazing. And then on top of that, to prove and to verify that all of this stuff was really going to happen, to give Hezekiah this assurance that he, that he was in control, God literally stopped the sun in its tracks. Read this. This is in the Bible. I'm not making this up. Literally stopped the sun in its tracks and backed it up 10 degrees. Okay? Now, you all know, you've been in science class, the sun just goes one way. Okay? And the solar system all works around it. So what would happen if you were to back up the sun? It would literally cause a wreck in the entire universe. So God literally backs up the entire universe by 10 degrees just to show Hezekiah that God is in control of everything. It's an amazing thing. So all of these things God did for Hezekiah. And how does Hezekiah return the favor? By getting prideful. Don't knock him, right? Aren't we all like that a little? Don't we all like a little pat on the back? Don't we all like to brag a little bit about what we have and what we've done? Hezekiah gets a little bit prideful. And there was a day that some messengers had came from Babylon. Now, if you've never read it, Babylon was nasty. Okay, they were mean and nasty. They were the enemies of the world, terrorists of that day. And they were just conquering nation after nation after nation. And so some messengers from Babylon, now get this, they come to visit Hezekiah. Number one, they'd heard he was sick and they wanted to come and console him. But you got to realize that the Babylonians worshipped the sun. Okay, so they monitored it and they kept 
They kept watch over it all the time. The sun was their God and they watched it. And one day they look at it and they're going, Did, did you see that? The sun just went backwards. Their God literally just moonwalked, right? Or sunwalked, I guess you might call it. But anyway, the, their God literally went backwards and they're just bumfuzzled. So they literally travel all of this, this distance to go to, to Israel and to talk to Hezekiah and learn about this God. They knew it was the God of Israel that caused this. Go all this way to learn about this God of the Israelites that was able even to back up the universe. So Hezekiah missed a humongous opportunity to brag on his God. Instead, you know who he bragged on? Hezekiah. He bragged on himself. He took him around his entire kingdom. He showed him the whole kingdom. He showed them the buildings. He showed them uh, the armories. He showed them the treasuries. Everything that Hezekiah found or had, he showed it all to them and said nothing. You would have thought. He would have said, guys, listen. I mean, this is, yeah, I've got all this stuff, but it was all provided by God. But let me, I, you guys really need to let the sun God go. Let me tell you what my God can do, Right? He gave me yeah, 15 years of my life. He turned the sun backwards. Let me, and if he would have, if he would have only, think about this. My, you know my mind, it works on a different plane than everybody else's. But if you think about this, if Hezekiah would have come off his high horse and put God up front where he was supposed to be and would have told these Babylonians about the God of Israel, think of the difference it would have made or could have made at least in the entire world of that day. What if the Babylonians, the, the terrors of the world, what if they come to believe and serve the God of Israel? It would have changed the world. They wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have conquered all these nations and killed all these people. Maybe they would have turned their hearts to God. Hezekiah's testimony about the faithfulness of God could have actually changed the world. Instead, he bragged on himself. And you know what those Babylonians did? They went back home and said, well, he just got, he's got a lot of nice stuff. Let's go take it. Seriously. They didn't think about his God. Hezekiah got to come to him and God was kind of upset with him. Hezekiah, you took all my glory. There's one thing God will not share. It's your heart and His glory. Amen? You, you, you stole my glory. You didn't say anything about me. It was all about you. And so, literally, the, everything was, was wiped away. All of these, the treasures that Hezekiah bragged about, eventually, the Babylonians came and stole. Amen? So, we don't want to make that same mistake that Hezekiah made in this place. We want to invite you all here not to brag about our new facility. We just want you to know how, how faithful God has been to us. And how faithful God will be to you. Amen. If you put your trust in him. I can stand up here and I can take a good long while. I'm, got, this is my first Sunday in this church. And I've thought about this for many, many months. Uh, about what I'm going to preach. So I could stand here and preach for two hours. Good. I won't. I won't. I promise. I promise. Hour and a half tops, we're out of here. <laughs> no, but... Uh, uh, no, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I could stand here for an hour and tell you the amazing things that God did in providing for this building unbelievable things. Those chairs, some, some of you know this, but let me just share a couple of little things here that some of you visitors don't know. The chairs that you sit in today were given to us, okay? When we first uh, put out the plans and budgeted for the building of the church, I did not budget in chairs, okay? I wanted to build this thing for as cheap as we could get by, and I thought, we'll figure out the chairs later, which, you know, you don't want to do that with trusses or something, but, but with chairs, you can get by. We'll just, we'll build a building, we'll figure out the chairs later, and um, we wanted locked together padded chairs, Lo and behold, this gentleman shows up, used to pastor a church in Mountain Grove. Uh, the church shut down several years ago, and he said, uh, I've got about 225 padded, locked-together chairs. You guys can just have them if you want them. That's the chairs you're sitting in. About, it's about $11,000 worth of chairs that you're sitting in that God gave to us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? 
One day, even, even small, and this is not a small thing, but one day we were, uh, Wagner said, loaded a big old load of lumber, about $1,000 worth of lumber. And we get it all unloaded, and 20 minutes after we unloaded that lumber, uh, a gentleman from the community, goes to, he goes to another church, but he comes by and said, man, we, we love you, and we're, we believe in what you're doing, we want to help out, and he gave me a check for $500. I was like, well, that's pretty cool, he just paid for half of this lumber that, that showed up. I kid you not, hour, maybe two hours later, another gentleman from the community came by, said, love you, appreciate you, like what you're doing, just wanted to help you out, handed me a check for $500. I mean, literally, God paid for that whole load of lumber. And I can stand here and go on and on and on about how God did that. If I was to stand up here and take credit for that, number one, you all wouldn't believe it. But number two, it would be completely false. Uh, God is the one that did all this. You know why? Because God's not interested in getting into this building. He's interested, to get, in, he's interested in getting into your heart. Amen? This is really the building. So even... Even though we're very thankful for this bigger building, this beautiful campus that God has provided for us uh, to worship in, very, very thankful. We should be. We ought to be excited about it. But uh, my, my encouragement this morning is that let's, let's not obsess over the building. Let's obsess over Jesus. Amen? He's the one that's worth it. Jesus was never impressed with buildings, by the way. If you read the scriptures, and uh, uh, Jesus brings his disciples for the first time into Jerusalem, and they're looking around, and here's this big beautiful temple where everybody went to, you know, to meet God. And the disciples were looking at this big, beautiful building and they say, Jesus, man, just look at this temple. How beautiful. Look at those stones. You know, I mean, they didn't have cranes and stuff back then. I mean, all that was man-made labor. These big, huge cut stones, just gold everywhere. Look at this beautiful building. And the disciples are just awestruck looking around. And Jesus looks at it and he goes, yeah, it's all going to come down someday. He said, one, one stone won't even be left on top of the other. And that happened about 40 years after Jesus declared that, by the way. Big, beautiful temple that the Jews thought couldn't be touched. Romans come in and literally knocked down the temple and picked every stone apart to get the gold and all of that stuff out. Literally, the building, as beautiful it was, came down. Jesus wasn't impressed with it. Do you know that Jesus, I think that Jesus would have had just as much awe for the temple if it would have been a run-down old shack. Because the way Jesus looked at the temple was this. This is my father's house. This is the house of prayer. Amen. How many of you know that no building has ever been able to pray unto God? This building can't pray to God. This building can't witness to people about Jesus. Neither could the temple. Jesus said, ah, it's just a building. It's all going to come down one day. What Jesus was concerned about was a completely different type of temple. Amen. We as as human beings have a tendency to uh, automatically be drawn to the natural. Right? That, that that registers with our five senses. What we can see, what we can smell, what we can touch, what we can hear. What's the fifth sense? I guess I don't have it. Do what? Taste. Taste. Yeah, what we can taste. So we have a tendency to... No, I've got that one. Believe me, I know. Uh, I like food. Um, so we have a tendency to be drawn to that that is natural, what our five senses tell us. And that's why we, we all, and, and, and put a lot into the building and things that we can see, uh, but the Holy Spirit is constantly working in us to pursue that which is spiritual, amen, to recognize that we are the true house of prayer, right? We are the earthen vessels that God puts his presence in. We are the temple. In fact, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, to that same church, by the way, chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, he said, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have of God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So, for, so glorify God in your what? Glorify God in your body. Your body is the temple. 
God don't need a building. People say a lot of times, oh, I feel God more out in the, uh, out, in the wo- out in the woods more than I do at church. And sometimes that's the case. Do you know why? You know why you can feel God out in the woods? Because that's not where church is. Your, ha- your, your body is the church. Amen? Now, church is important. That's not, a, that's not an out. We need to come together in the presence of God. My point is, we can be in the presence of God anywhere we go. We don't have to travel to Jerusalem to get in that temple. You don't have to travel to town and get into this building. God's presence abides inside of us. Constantly does, constantly will. He's just begging us to trust in Him. So I want to kind of wind this. i got all kinds of time. It's only 11 o'clock. I've only been here for, what, about five minutes? Something like that. So i got another hour and a half. Um, there were a few terms that were heard around this place over the past year as we constructed this building. Uh, and the more I pondered on those terms and how they applied to the physical building, uh, they also applied quite a, they apply quite a bit to the spiritual building, to this temple that God is building. We built this one with God's help, but God is the one building this temple. Amen? Uh, so he has to sometimes knock walls down and he has to remodel and this and that and something else. But a lot of terms that were heard in, within the walls of this place, I want to talk about how they apply to our, our spiritual temple as well. Those words were this, square, flush, level, ouch. My personal favorite, sheetrock will cover it, right? <laughs> right? So let's talk about those for a second. First of all, square, flush, level, what does that mean? That's what makes everything fit together. This is unlevel. This is level, right? This is not flush. Hey, I'm kind of I'm not like this anymore. I like having the round. This is not flush. This is flush, right? This is not square. This is square. So everything's got to be flush, level, and square in order for everything to fit together. If the concrete foundation at the very beginning of the project is not level and square, then the sheetrock and even the trim work and everything at the end of the project will be off. Trust me, I know. Right? Concrete workers did a great job, but a, 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 a pad like this is going to have some off places. We'd be leveling the walls like, oh, there's a dip right there. Oh, no big deal. Then come time to do the trim and it doesn't work out just right. You know why it was not level? Because the foundation. So my point in all of that is it regards this temple, as it regards our life, as it regards what God is trying to build in and through us, is the fact that decisions that we make today will affect our lives in the future. Decision, every decision that we make today, whether good or bad, is going to affect our life down the road. If my life is even just a little bit pointed away from God today, then I'm only going to get farther away from Him as the years go by. I want to be square with God. I want... God is compelling us to, quote-unquote, level with Him, right? Come clean. All God wants us to do, ultimately, is confess that our life is out of square. Because we're born that way. We're born with, our, with a bent towards sin and mistakes. And so, we're, we're, un, we're unsquare. We're unlevel. And the gospel, the blood of Christ, the cross, is what brings us back in level with God. And so, we get level with God today, and then we, our life don't get off the path later on down the road. Amen? The, the Word of God is ultimately what needs to be the foundation of our life. If we, if we found our entire life and base our whole life, our family, our job, our conduct, our, our hobbies, everything of our life, we, we build it on top of the Word of God, then our life is level and God will honor it and bless it. Remove this, what are you left with? The sand, right? You're left with, you build your house on the sand, Jesus said it's going, to, it's going to start sliding on you a little bit. But the Word of God is sure, it's steadfast, it will never change. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God will never, ever pass away. You know my favorite part of this entire building? 
You know what it is? It's the fact that four feet below my shoes is a Bible covered in plastic embedded in the concrete foundation. True story. I wanted this church not to be Dennis Walton's church, not based on me or my preaching or the people of this church, that it's founded upon the Word of God. So I embedded it in the foundations of this place. And I I calculated where the pulpit was going to stand so that I would always be standing right on top of the Word of God. And so long as we follow that, this this church will be level. Amen? It will be square. God will honor it. Everything we do will prosper so long as we keep ourselves level with God. Same way with our, our personal lives. Amen? Establish your home on the Word of God. Let's talk about that term, ouch. Okay? A lot of that around here. Right? We're all, you know... Amateurs, a lot of smashed fingers, a lot of tweaked backs, cuts and scrapes. There was one guy drove a nail through his finger with from the nail gun. We, I won't say his name because I don't want to embarrass Rick Wake. <laughs> Anywho, uh, it was a fun experience, but it was painful, right? At times. A lot of scrapes. Life is painful. Can I say amen to that? Life is painful. God's building us into something, and it's not always a walk in the park. It's it's painful. Sometimes Christian life can be painful. In fact, sometimes Christian life in some ways could be even more painful because we've got an enemy fighting against us all the time, but life is just painful. It will be until this life is over. So as a Christian, there's a lot of times we cry out. As God is building in us. Sometimes, I don't know about you, there's been things that God has taken out of my life Things that weren't fruitful or things that could lead me astray. And God just removed it and it was kind of painful. Told Dennis. It was painful to Dennis's pride. Ouch. God, don't take that, right? But then after it's gone, I begin to realize that, okay, this is actually better. God knew what he was talking about, right? A lot of ouches. We're going to have them. People are going to fail us. People are going to hurt us. Even church people sometimes. I wish it wasn't like that. But we're going to get hurt at times throughout life. That's part of life. People always say, you know, being a Christian, it's, it's not a bed of roses. But it is. Being a Christian is a bed of roses, thorns and all, right? It's beautiful. Being a Christian is beautiful. Watching what God does in our life day after day after day is a beautiful thing. When God answers prayer for us as a church or for you individually, it's beautiful. But they're still in the thorn bush. Go lay down in the thorn bush today, I dare you. It'd be beautiful, but you're going to get stuck, right? You're going to bleed a little bit. You're going to get cut, but it'll all be worth it. A lot of beauty in serving Christ along with all of that. And you know, the thing about it is this. Between our mistakes, you know, our sins and our failures, which we make on a daily basis, between that and the, the attacks of Satan that come against us every, every day, uh, we're going to withstand to take a knock or two here or there. Have you ever been knocked down by the enemy in some form or fashion? Ever slip and stumble on your own dumbness? I'll put it that way. I have many, many times before. Lots of scrapes. I think that if, if our spiritual body could be seen the way our physical body is seen, it would, it would be a bloody mess. Right? We get hurt. But God is the healer. Amen? That hole in Rick's hand, it, it healed up. All the scrapes, they all healed up because God's a healer. The hurt from the person, the family member, the loved one that hurt you, whatever be the case, God's a healer. Amen? Okay, my favorite sheetrock will cover it. No one will ever see that, right? 
So the, the times that that was said was either when something, we didn't exactly know how to frame something up pretty, right? So let me say this before I go any further. This building is structurally sound, okay? Promise. Very structurally sound. But there's times with all of these angles, especially, uh, you know, we'd stand there and look at something. You know, how, do we, how do we connect that? How do we frame that up? And sometimes, bad as I hated to, we just had to cobble a little bit to get things to fit right. Hack a two before here, slant it there, but in order to make it work. And uh, it didn't look pretty at all. It looked ugly. But somebody inevitably would always say, sheetrock will cover it, right? Nobody's ever going to see that. And that's true. You guys, if I, don't, if I didn't tell you that, you wouldn't know that much, but... It was either that, we didn't know what to do, or we'd done something wrong, and we were just too lazy to fix it. Too lazy to take the time to pull it apart and, and redo it. Sheetrock will cover it. Right? Nobody's ever going to see that. There wasn't a lot of corners cut, but I'd be lying if I said there wasn't any. Right? Our, uh, our tendency as humans is to want to cover our mistakes. Right? Nobody will ever see it. And that what we do in our, in our everyday life? There's, there's things that we do, things that we think, and things that we think we kind of get by with. And the fact of the matter is, God sees it all, right? I'll, I'll do this. Nope, nobody's going to know about that. I'll just cover that up. That's our natural tendency as human beings, cover up our mistakes at whatever cost. But I think God is compelling us to be an open book with Him. Amen? Amen. To be an open book. And just to say, God, they can't hide anything from Him anyway. Nothing is hidden that will stay hidden according to Scripture. Everything we try to hide is going to be bust wide open. I mean, it's going to be on display for all the world to see. So when we cover stuff within our life, whether it's an error, a mistake, a doubt, you name it, we try to cover up our, our errors. Number one, we always know God sees it. We don't, we don't cover it up from Him. God sees it. Sometimes people will see it, but you always will see it. For me, and this is another thing we've said several times around here, usually whenever somebody said, ah, nobody's going to see that, and, and I would say or someone would say, yeah, but I'm going to know it's there. I'm not going to point those things out to you, by the way. There are, there are a few things around here that I think, ah, nobody, and you won't know. You'll never, ever know until Jesus comes. But I know it's like, well, that could have been a little bit more square. It could have been a little bit, everybody's looking around now. I knew I should have waited until the end. As everybody's like, let's see. You know, make it everything square. You always see it. You know, be comfortable with your own conscience. Amen? I mean, the less we cover up, the less we have to try to cover up. Amen. Amen? We live as an open book before God and before man. There's nothing more tormenting than having to try to cover your sins, cover your mistakes, cover your back. We live as an open book, let everybody know we're not perfect, confess to God we're not perfect, and let Him change us. That's the only way to live. Amen? Amen. Let, let, let God, let us build this building with excellence. Let God do it and let's try our best to do. Now, I said that was my favorite one. This is actually my favorite one. I'm going to say this in closing as I continue to close. Actually, my favorite phrase throughout this entire project is three words. It is finished. Amen? It's done. Now, that's only partially true. We still have a little bit left to go, but for the most part, it's finished. And we're able to have church in this place now. We're able to come and fill it. God's presence is able to come and fill it. With that phrase, it is finished. All the labor's over. All the sweat is done. All the pain is over with. And the building is ready for use. And it is so, so worth it. You can ask Rick about the hole. I'm not sure he's saying it's worth the hole in his hand from the nail gun. But it's worth it. 
It's worth every single bit to know that it is finished and it's something now that God can use. It's the same as it is with our own personal life. See, when Jesus hung on the cross and just as he, began, just as he died, right before he died, he said those words, it is finished. Okay? He wasn't just speaking about his natural life that is now over. He was speaking about the mission that he had come to accomplish. The salvation of all mankind. That So one day, Dennis Walton could be forgiven of his sins and be saved and, and once again be level with God again. The entire human race out of square with God. But Jesus said when he died on the cross for your sins and mine, it's level now. Hallelujah. It's finished. And so, so God is continuing to remodel us and work on us to prepare us to be that building, to be that temple that God's presence can abide within us, that he might use us for a purpose in our day and in our life. And if you read throughout Revelation, he says those words again. Amen. In the end, when this world is over and Jesus returns to this earth, he'll cry, it is finished. And then and only then will these buildings be done. Then and only then will, will we be at a place where God, see, because this old nasty, scarred, sinful body will fall off and God will give us a glorified body. Amen? Yes. It is finished. Solomon paid, a, I want you to see how valuable you are, all of us are as individuals. Solomon, when he built that temple we were talking about earlier, he paid a huge price for the logs for that temple. Uh, There was a country called Tyre, and the the king was Hiram. Solomon contacts Hiram, and he said, I need some logs for God's temple. Hiram says, okay, we'll cut them, we'll send them to you. And Solomon had to pay for those logs. And he paid for it with 120,000 bushels of wheat, and 120,000 bushels of pure olive oil per year. Okay? The cost for the materials for that building were extravagantly expensive. And Jesus, as he's building this building, paid the ultimate cost. The price for our salvation, folks, was very high. Do you know why, let me get on a little rant, do you know why we as Americans don't really necessarily appreciate the freedoms that we have in America like we should because we didn't pay the price. The veterans paid the price and therefore they appreciate it more. One of the reasons we don't grab a hold of the severity and how great the salvation is. The fact that we can know God and He knows us and that He abides within us. The fact that God would even give us the time of day. We don't realize how great of a price that was because we didn't pay it. Jesus paid it. On the cross of Calvary. And those logs, you know, I can think about the guys that were gathering them for the temple. Most people could look at them and just say, it's just an old rough log. But Solomon and all those guys, they didn't see it as a rough log. They saw it as potential. They saw it as building materials. That's something I can build the temple with. It's, yeah, it's rough around the edges and I'll get the bark and stuff off. But that's something that can be used in the building of God's temple. And that's exactly the way God looks at all of us. We're rough around the edges. We're sinful. And the world might look at us and say, it's just, that's just an old sinful person. That's just a log. It's worth it. But God looks at us and sees the potential in us. He sees us as a potential temple that He can come and abide in. And He strives every day throughout our life, if we'll allow Him to, to come and abide within us. Amen? You're not just insignificant. Nobody is. It's a beautiful building. It really is. I'm, I'm tickled with it. Couldn't be happier. My prayer is that every person that's, that's here this morning, that the, 
you're not going to church anywhere, you haven't been for a while, maybe you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, and God's been dealing with your heart, whatever be the case, I want you to come to church here, not because of the building, but because of the Jesus that's in the building. Amen? He's here. He's here to take care of us, to meet our every need, to forgive every sin. And so I want to give you opportunity this morning um, to respond to that. Every head bowed and every eye closed, if you don't mind. Let's just, let's just take a minute to uh, reflect on your own life for just a minute. Are you a temple that God is abiding in? Or are you still clinging to the throne of your own heart? Life still has to be your way. But God's tugging at your heart, though. 